Good morning. How's everyone? Good. My name is Eric. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you out in the courtyard. Uh, we have a little welcome area there. We answer questions, give you a gift, help you connect to our church. Uh, same with our friends and family online. We welcome and glad you're joining us. Uh, just a few things to go over. One, if you had a hard time parking, I'm sorry, but also the grass is available, weather permitting, that'll always be uh, an option as we continue to grow and just try to help people um, get here more easy. And so don't be afraid to park on it. Um, we prepared for that uh, in mind when we made it. Uh, two, uh, Israel, we finally, we locked in our airlines and all that. So the pricing and scheduling and all of that, you can look online, uh, January 2024. So we'd love for you to join us in that. And then last, just make sure you're praying for the junior hires. They're up at Hume Lake and just the gospels preached and heard and that they'd return safe. So here we go. Matthew 6, join in. Um, hopefully uh, what you're doing with this is you're understanding this is one sermon, right? Sermon on the Mount. This is one sitting, one consistent thought uh, to, to the disciples. You know, he's teaching. Um, it'd be like this. Have you ever had someone share a part of your conversation and not the whole conversation? You did not like that, did you? Okay, maybe just I don't like being taken out of context. It's really, it's not fun, okay? And you, you look at this passage, you have to take it in the context of the whole passage. Uh, it's not like maybe the Old Testament where you're walking through a period of, uh, of years and then another period of years. This is one conversation. And so what happens sometimes is people will bust out Matthew 6 and be like, don't be anxious, and totally miss the full way of what's said before it. Um, about the way the Father loves you and the Father provides for you, um, that Christ died for your sins and walks through just the, the issues of the heart and the heart needs to love Christ and uh, in the way you practice religion and in, in the way you handle sin, you need to love Christ and you need to treasure him. So then it flows out. This is really the logical part that if you don't treasure Christ, uh, you'll treasure the world or money and anxiety will be what drives that treasure. See, anxiety is what's going to create a problem and tell you you need to fix it. And the way you'll fix it is through money because it'll provide the means and able to do it. So you look through this, not just saying, don't be anxious. He's saying, look, you need to understand uh, that you don't need to worry. You have Christ if you treasure him. So he's building and building and building. Um, maybe another way to say it would be this. Uh, you guys have known like a few months ago about uh, in Halloween, my, my daughter, she broke her femur. And so you guys prayed for her. I appreciate that. And I had to call my kids and tell them like, hey, mom and I won't be home. We're going to the hospital. And so I had to call my son. And he kind of shocked me with his response. He was like, dad, is she ever going to be able to play sports? Is she going to be able to go to school? How long is she going to be in the hospital? And I was like, whoa, slow your roll, right? Like, this is not for you to worry about. This is for mom and I to worry about. You just focus on praying for her and encouraging her. You ever had that talk with your kids? This is not for you to worry about. Or when they act like you never feed them and you're like, quit worrying, you always eat. Knock it off, okay? And so you look at it more through a lens of a father trying to talk to his children saying, you don't need to worry about this, okay? And so it's important we frame that because it's, it's a loving father more than it is a slap and telling us how terrible you are, saying you don't need to go down that road. Now, I, I acknowledge uh, that there's going to be some people 
that, that far exceed kind of what this text is talking about. Maybe you have a chemical imbalance and uh, you've been diagnosed. And we're not, we're not speaking to that. Uh, but this still remains that what God tells us is to seek him first and to not be anxious. And so uh, we're going to pray and we're going to walk into this text and see what Jesus tells us. Jesus, we thank you uh, for Matthew 6. Uh, we thank you that we um, can know that you love us, that you're our heavenly father, that you know everything we need. You're not caught off guard. You're not surprised. So it's our prayer that we would trust you more, that we would love you more, um, and that we would trust you with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength, and that we'd seek you first. So we pray that your words would speak uh, and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so he starts off swinging, uh, but he starts with the therefore. So that's the connecting word we need to understand. Uh, it's treasure Christ, right? Don't serve money. You can't have two masters. Serve Christ. Therefore, do not be anxious. And so that's that idea of, of worry, of fret, apprehension, uh, usually of some type of fear in the future, unknown, and, and you're trying to control it and, and make it kind of ease you uh, by having the outcome or the favorable outcome that you would like. And so the, the way that connects to money is if you, uh, you know, grew up a certain way and you're like, people are never going to look down on me or people are going to notice me. So you have an insecurity about yourself. You were really, you know, the ugly duckling as a child, whatever it is, right? And you want people, you need people to like you or think you look pretty. So you worry about that. Well, how do you fix how you look? Money, right? And so he's walking through it. He's walking through worry creates uh, an emotion in us that we need to solve and fix. And money is the tool we use to numb the soul. Okay, so this is how it works through it being connected. And what it's saying is, if, if money is your master, if that's your master, you'll serve it only, and you will neglect Christ. You won't think about him. You won't treasure him. And so this is bad for you. So as he walks through that, he's like, look, don't be anxious. I'm going to take care of you. Later on in Matthew, Jesus helps us understand that the cares of the world compete with our affections for Jesus, his ability to love us and take care of us. So in Matthew 13, he says, look, there are uh, seeds that go into everyone's heart and soul, and there are things that choke them out. One of them is the cares of the world. It chokes out the word of God. It makes it as if God didn't create you, love you, know you, send Christ to die for you. You forget about him altogether. And so he's trying to make it very clear, anxiety takes away your affection from Christ. And takes away you treasuring him and trusting him. This is why in verse 30, you catch this, you catch the whole of it. He says, but if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? You see, what money tend to have is this ability to that we don't have to go to the Father. We don't have to trust him. We don't have to pray. We don't have to search our Bibles. We can just go purchase something or use money to, to surround us with something that takes care of the insecurity, the pain, the suffering, and kind of medicate our soul. And what he's getting at is that's just going to perpetuate this problem over and over and over again. You're going to be a slave to it. You're going to need that feeling to go away, so you're going to work harder, so you have more money, so you can buy more things to make the pain go away. When he's saying you have little faith, you don't trust the Lord to take care of you in this way. You're trusting your resources. 
And so essentially he's saying you need to trust the Father. You need to trust that he's there for you. And he uses this argument. He's, he's using what's called a lesser to greater argument. Look, if the animals are okay, you're going to be fine. Now, this might insult some of you, but you need to look through this. He's saying that people are more important than animals. Right? That's what the text is getting at. And it's like, hey, if the animal eats, you eat. The flowers are clothed. You'll be clothed. You need to trust your father. And so he's making that argument. So the question is, you know, do we trust God in all aspects of our life? Or are we worried about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? And are we worried about how, you know, the economy's going to go and what's going to happen? You know, are there balloons in the sky, right? Like these are the things you start worrying about because you get so involved in the world and involved in how it needs to act and be a certain way so that you can find joy and peace and comfort and enjoy this. And essentially it's saying, look, look, tomorrow has enough worry, worry about today. Uh, how can you add any value to your life? Like, have you ever worried and been like, just praise God I had a worry session that was so helpful and productive? You've, you haven't done that, have you? It's, it's like I was thinking about it because I kept, I was outside yesterday and I kept looking and I'm like, do I see a balloon? But I had to like tell myself, why do I keep looking for balloons? Right? It doesn't change anything. It doesn't help. Maybe they're still in our information. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to war. Maybe they're not. But understanding this doesn't change anything. It means nothing. Except at the end of the day, whether we have a war, we don't have a war, Russia invades, China invades, we still have to teach the Bible. We still have to love Jesus, sing to Jesus, gather about Jesus. That's still the mandate, true? Yeah, that's still what we're called to. So saying, if that even happens tomorrow, worry about today and being a kingdom citizen today. You have enough to worry about today. So as you think through this, you, you, what, why do I worry about that? And his point is that money is going to create an opportunity for us to worry even more and think about Jesus less. Now, he's not demonizing rich people. He's not saying that at all. It's similar to what Paul says about marriage. He's like, look, if you're going to be married, you're going to have lots of problems, right? I'm paraphrasing, okay? Because he's saying you're going to have to take care of your wife and you have to take care of your kids and it's required sacrifice and it's required being selfless. So if you're going to be married, you're going to have all these new responsibilities. And he's like, and I'm single and I don't have to worry about it. So I just get to focus on Christ more. Paul's saying, I like my position better, right? He's saying, if you're going to be married, there is responsibility. Same thing. If you're going to have money, you're going to have more options. You're going to have more options to satisfy your insecurities. You know, if you have one car, that's a set of responsibilities to take care of it. You have two, that's more responsibilities. You have three. You know, you have a boat. You have whatever it is. There's going to be more for you to focus on, upkeep, take care of, potentially worry about. So then you need to know this. And you need not to worry about the things of the world. And that's why you, you boil these down. You know, for some people, I've heard it said really well. I said, you know, I know why God didn't allow me to be rich. I wouldn't handle it well. It would consume me. And then for someone else, maybe it's fine. And the Lord uses that to, to bless and do work and all these great things. But he's saying you need to be cognizant of this. Because money very easily can replace Jesus. Because it has the ability to make you feel safe. It has the ability to make you feel special. It has the ability to make you feel like you're in control. 
And it's saying, if you catch hold of that, you'll serve it. It'll fail you. You can't serve two masters. You need Jesus. Jesus is to be your treasure. Therefore, do not be anxious. Okay? So if you look at it, it's through a fatherly lens of warning his people. Anxiety will drive you to fix what's going on inside through the world's means, but it'll only let you down. There's a good quote I came across. It says, why should there be more concern for your body than your soul? It's a good point, right? Your soul is eternal. Why should bodily deficiencies be more grievous than the deficiencies of the soul? Secondly, do not perceive that this is idolatry. There is a secret departure from God, a neglect of depending on him, and a secret denial of God's providence. God will provide. And so if you can boil it down, is money gives us the ability to have so many options, it paralyzes us. And he's saying, if you could just not worry, you could have faith, trust the Father, you're in a better position. Um, I, I was just thinking through this as I was prepping for this, and I just remember being in elementary school, we were, we were really poor, and I had one pair of shorts. And it was awesome, because I didn't have to make any decisions in the morning, because I only had one pair of shorts, right? And all of a sudden, I get to junior high, mom's doing better, I have five pairs of shorts. Now I got to worry about matching. I got to worry about the length, if it's cold, if it's hot, if it's baggy, if it's plaid, if it's, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, all these options, this is, this is stressful. Stress was so much more simple when I didn't even have the option. This is why when you go on, on a mission trip in a third world country, you'll meet these people who live in mud huts and they seem so much more happy than us. Why? Because they don't have options. They have Christ, they have Christians, they have God's word, and somehow they're more happy than we are. Think through that. And so he's saying, do not allow this to shape your life, to drive you, because the more you have, the more opportunity you're going to have to this. So what does he say the remedy is? He goes, well, have faith, you need to trust the Lord, don't be anxious, and then he comes down, but seek first the kingdom of God. Saying that has to be the first thing you care about. That has to be the first place you go. Because essentially your life will go one of two ways. You're either going to accumulate your stuff and you're going to try to fit Jesus into it. You're going to be like, oh, I think I'm in town that weekend. Maybe I'll go to church. Well, I might have some time. Maybe I'll, I'll pray, you know, in my car ride between this and that. You know, maybe I'll read my Bible. Uh, you know, this got canceled. And so you have so much to do and so many priorities that Jesus just becomes this thing you try to stuff in. Say, no, 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 seek first the kingdom of God. So that's the first domino. That's the first anchor. And then everything else you worry about later. Example, it's not saying you can't go on vacation. Go on vacation, have fun. But go to church when you go on vacation, right? And do research on the church so it's not a crazy church that doesn't teach the Bible and say crazy things, right? But say, you're a Christian, it's what you do. Seek first. So we're on a Sunday, we're gonna worship the Lord, we're gonna sing to him, we're gonna hear from the word, we're gonna talk about him, it's what we do. That's the first domino, it's the first anchor. Then, okay, now we're gonna go out here and do that, but whatever he's saying, put it first. Put it first. Seek the kingdom. So it's important you just, we understand how are we orienting our lives? Who, what master do we serve? Do we serve Christ? Do we treasure Christ? 
And he's saying, this is important for you. Paul picks this up in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. So this is important. It says, don't be anxious about anything. About anything. Why? Because it correlates to our ability to trust, having faith. Verse 30. So as you're seeking the kingdom, the first thing you're to do I would put it like this, is you pray. And when you come to God, he says, don't be anxious. Rather, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Now, this is your opportunity to wrestle out the anxiety. But start it with thanksgiving. I think sometimes we don't start with all that we have. And when you start with all that you have in Christ, it starts to order and put things in perspective and and maybe you don't pray for that material thing because you're like, man, I already have all of these things. Or maybe you pray for it. Be like, God, if I don't get it, that's fine. I have, I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm purchased, I'm adopted, I'm a citizen of heaven. I have a church, right? You have all these things. Then all of a sudden you're request. Now make your request. Well, God, I just need to make sure. And God, I need and wrestle that out. And in the process of seeking the king, right? Seeking, God, what do you want me to do? Trust him. And then it says, verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you're thinking through, you know, God, could, could you provide me with this or with that? A different question maybe to ask yourself is, God, if I purchase this, Will this affect my time with you? Will this affect my affection towards you? Or is this going to be something that pulls me away? Is this going to be something that that medicates my soul and makes me feel important and makes me feel special and, and takes me away from the ability of coming to you and seeking you and finding my value in who you are? That's a good way to approach it, wouldn't you think? You're seeking the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm visiting earth. God, does this help me in that mission be a kingdom citizen? And pray through it in that way and offer it to the Lord. And you'll be shocked. Sometimes God says, yes, this is a part of how I'm going to use you to do this. And then sometimes God says, no, that is not good for you. You're going to be a mean, angry person. Because you don't have the maturity or, you know, the way you were raised that's going to impact you in a negative way. So it's saying, seek him first. Run it all by him. Now start thinking through this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what does it mean to be in right relationship with God? What does it mean to act like you're a citizen of heaven? So you start thinking, oh man, when I'm at work, what does it look like to be a boss who's like Christ? What does it look like to be an employee that's like Christ? Are you bringing this to him? Because you're seeking him first. And then you get into your marriage. And when you're in conflict, are you acting like a citizen of heaven? Do you have the peace, mercy, and grace, and patience, and kindness, and self-control that he would want you to have? When you're parenting, are you acting like a kingdom citizen? You see how this becomes very involved Time-consuming? It seems well, you got to seek him first. You can't live Christianity out with, I'm just going to accidentally act like Jesus in these random opportunities I get. 
can't just fit church in here and there. I can't just Bible read there. It's saying you're a citizen. Seek first. Seek first kingdom and righteousness. What does it mean to be a Christian on social media? It's not saying you can't have social media, but what does it mean? What is your attitude? What words are you portraying? What affections are you communicating? What priorities are you investing? Are you showing other people? Are you around other Christians? What does that look like? And then get to the next level and then stuff in other things and see how it fits and what it is and what God might have for you. And so you think through like managing your life as a citizen of heaven. It's your top priority. Why? It's your treasure. That's why last week is so important to this. Like, do you have enough time to serve as a citizen of heaven? To use the talents that God's given you to help other people? Are you so busy, so consumed that you can't fit anything in? It's just like we talked about with finances, saying, God, it's yours. So you right? You tithe, you give, this is yours, and then the rest we live on. Okay, God, my time, this is yours, and then the rest, I'll, you know, we'll have fun, we'll do things, but this is yours. My time needs to go to you first. This is my talent. This is what I'm good at. This is how you created me. How can I use it for your kingdom? And say, man, if you're locked in doing that, anxiety You're going to be so busy pleasing the Lord and doing what he wants. That anxiety will fade, and it'll fade, and it'll fade. I mean, here's the reality. We get too attached to the world, and we try to build these kind of mini kingdoms. And what God's trying to communicate to us through Jesus is you can't take any of that to heaven. It can all be gone in a second. And what you need to do is be ready at any moment, this is, this is where now you start thinking through. So, what, so if there was a war, like, you know, there was a, something happened, are we in a position that we could stand firm as a Christian and say, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to preach Christ, I'm going to share Christ with my neighbor. I will not change based on what's happening around me. See, when we focus on everything outside in the world, and our relationship with God suffers, we lack the substance, maturity, and relationship to endure the suffering. This is why Jesus is preparing his disciples, because they're gonna suffer. They're gonna suffer. That's why he's trying to tell Peter, he's trying to tell them all, hey, you're gonna suffer, you're gonna be persecuted, and what you need to understand is that I love you. Don't worry about food, don't worry about clothes, don't worry, you will have a place you will be okay. And then Paul, we see, model this out. In, a pri- in prison, out of prison, drowning in an ocean, sleeping on a beach, and he just loves Jesus. See, Paul actually goes from riches to rag, not rags to riches, and he goes, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I have Christ. They can't take Christ from me. That's why he treasures Christ most. So thinking through, how do you have a relationship that's prepared for whatever the world might throw at you. And I think we learned through COVID that a lot of, in our American churches, we cared more about our citizen freedom and our health freedom than our Christian freedom. Is that fair? I'm just trying to put it out there. It was. I think it is. 
It's because you seek first the kingdom. And guess what? You might get cancer. And that's hard. If you seek first the kingdom, you're part of God preparing your heart to trust you, saying, you're going to suffer, but I still love you. doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean I don't love you. You might be born with a deficiency, you know, a half heart. You might have, you know, some type of illness. He's saying, seek first the kingdom. Don't try to fill that insecurity through the world. It won't help you. It won't change you. In the last verse, what he's getting at is it won't add any value to your life. And in 34, he summarizes it. Don't be anxious. Six times he said this. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That's comforting, isn't it? It's like, look, tomorrow is hard enough. Just get through today. Get through today as a citizen of heaven. Think through what do I need to do right now today? So if, you're, if we're processing it now, just kind of openly, you need to be patient as you pull out of this parking lot and not lose it on somebody who hits you or a little kid that runs by you or someone, you know, the bus when it comes in. You need to be patient and kind with your kid as you talk for an hour and all they want to do is go eat and go home, right? You need to be patient and kind. When you go home, you need to talk to your family about Jesus. You're at church. What did you learn? What did happen? When you interact with your spouse, you need to do it in a godly way. How are you going to do that? If you have this huge conflict in your life, you need to deal with it because you might not have tomorrow. You need to handle it today because you're a citizen of heaven. Tomorrow worries about itself. And so you're ordering your priorities as a Christian. How am I going to talk to my, you know, in-laws? How am I going to approach my boss? I mean, my son and I, my daughter and I have to have a serious conversation How am I going to be Christ-like in that approach? It's very simple when you look at the text, isn't it? And he's not slapping anyone. He's saying this is the best way to live because you're never promised tomorrow. Seek first Jesus because you're going to be with him forever in heaven. Trust him and these things will be added on to you. This is why in Matthew 19, it says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Because it is very hard to to leave our stuff alone and say, I'm going to wholly trust Jesus. And my stuff is nice, but if I lose it, that's fine. If people hate me, that's fine. If I'm rejected, that's fine. I have Christ. And the more we have, the more competition we have with Christ. Saying, therefore, seek him for first. Job was rich, but Job had a heart that loved the Lord. And so when it's all taken away from him, he says, the Lord gives, the Lord blesses. Blessed be his name. He praises God on either side. What Jesus is doing is preparing his disciples to praise the name of Christ, no matter what might happen to them, that they would see this earth as temporary. Jesus is eternal. Stay faithful. He loves you. He's with you. A quote before we get to some questions. It says, uh, God's sure provision of our needs does not guarantee a life without problems. That's important. But they need not be multiplied by worrying about them before they occur. So what he's getting at. You don't even know if that's going to happen. 
Focus on what's right in front of you. And whatever it is, God will get you through it. God will walk you through it. You just need to have the faith to trust him. And your resources are gonna challenge your ability to trust him in that process, okay? Some questions for us to think about. What do you worry about the most and why? What do you worry about the most and why? And again, this is your opportunity to go to the Lord and to pray. And, and I, would, I would go back to that Philippians passage and challenge you, but start with thanksgiving. Start with thanking him for what you have. And then say, God, here are the things I need to trust you with. Just a side note on this passage, essentially saying, worry about what you can control. You can only control yourself. Can't control other people. You can't control circumstance. You can control your response. And that response should be to seek first, first, the kingdom of God. How does worry affect your relationship with God? So what he's saying in here is it's like, hey, he takes care of the animals. He takes care of the grass. And now all of a sudden, he's not going to take care of you? Essentially, when we worry, it's saying you're a bad father. Or I don't trust that as a father, you'll provide for me. This is why the father is saying, no, seek first the kingdom and these things will be added. The rest will fall into place. Might not happen the way you wanted. Might not happen when you wanted it. You might lose some things. You might lose some health, but he's gonna be with you. He's gonna love you. He's your father. Three, what is the connection between your worry and your treasure? See, where your worry is, you're going to find your treasure is. How often are we worried about being in right relationship with Jesus? Oh, man, I want to make sure I'm Christ-like in that. Oh, God, I need to make sure I'm repenting of my sin. Oh, God, I need to make sure that I, that I share you with anyone and everyone I know. How often is that our greatest concern because we value Christ? Four, uh, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness? That is the top thing we do. It's the very first thing we go to. I need to have this relationship. I value this relationship. What are the components of the relationship? And how do I make it my primary focus? And then everything else becomes secondary in comparison. Five. What are the things that will be added unto you? It says all of these things. You go back and read. He's going to take care of you. Ephesians 1, you have every spiritual blessing, everything you need you have in Christ. Question is, is Christ enough? Or do we not trust him that he's enough and we think we need other things to feel value and important and safe so we can feel like we can control and limit our suffering and limit our pain and limit the hard things? Or are we in a place that we say, you know what? He's going to be there. He's going to love me. I trust him. And then six, how can you have a one day at a time mentality? And I get for some of you, that in of itself might be overwhelming. It might be overwhelming to think, I don't even know if I can get through the next five minutes. Then take it by five minutes. Go to the Lord first with your first minute. Tell him the things that are bothering you. Tell him the things that you can't seem to get over. Ask him to take those things away. List the things you're thankful for. 
And as you see in the scripture, if he doesn't take away the pain, ask him to help you live in the midst of that pain faithfully so that you can have the heart of Job and bless the Lord. You can have the heart of Paul that says, in my weakness, I will praise your power in my weakness. It will boast even more of Christ because at some point, God's not taking the pain away. And you're coming to him saying, help me walk in a manner worthy today in this weakness, in this pain, in this suffering, in this anxiety, whatever it is, help me be faithful, not doubt you, not ignore you, not talk down about you, not act as if you don't exist, acting in a way full of trust, full of faith, that you are God and you do love. I just don't like what's happening. I just don't like it, but I I trust you anyway. How do you get to that place? He's saying part of that is just shrinking it and focusing on being a kingdom of heaven today. And then tomorrow, if it comes, you start it all over again. So this is a text of a father warning his children, do not be anxious, seek him first, and he will take care of you. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. And uh, we thank you that your, your words are so direct to not worry. And, you know, often our worry is driven by our need to control, our need to limit suffering and pain and hard times and apprehensions and fears. And God, it's just our prayer that you would help us turn those over to you and trust you in the midst of all of it to be faithful in the hardest of times, to be a citizen of heaven that seeks you daily, to be faithful daily, to praise you daily, to tell others about you daily, to seek first the kingdom, and that would bring peace and joy and comfort to our hearts. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, At LBC, we take uh, communion twice a month. Uh, We don't believe it is uh, an act of salvation, but rather it's It's a symbolic reminder uh, for Christians of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, uh, that we are sinful and we have no way to pay for our sin, uh, but Jesus goes to the cross, takes the wrath of God, the punishment we deserve in our place, dies and is resurrected on our behalf. So we get to celebrate the forgiveness of sins. Uh, So one of the things you can do during communion uh, is just in light of even this passage is saying, God, forgive me. I don't prioritize you. I just try to fit you in randomly. I don't seek you first. God, here are the things I worry about. Help me trust you in those areas in my life. God, I wish my life looked different, but it doesn't. God, help me trust you in those areas. God, help me see the deep love you have for me through dying on the cross for my sins and trust you to have faith, not trying to change my circumstances to feel better, but rather trust you in the midst of my hard circumstances. These are things we can do in communion. We can bring them before the Father and then we can know that we're forgiven. Walk away knowing he loves us and he died for us, ending in a great celebration. Some practical pieces. Um, it, make sure if you're gluten-free, not all of them are gluten-free. We're like six months back ordered on that. So make sure 
you read your label. Two, make sure you open uh, the wafer first so you don't spill the juice when you try to open the wafer, okay? Bread first, juice second. Three, you're not crazy if it's hard to open, okay? I got a lot of feedback last service. So just, you know, stick it out. Don't be afraid to go for it. And just take that time to, you know, even just remember Christ died for you. And then at, after some time, John's going to come up and we're just going to celebrate. We're going to praise him that we don't need to be anxious, that we have a sovereign God who's not surprised, who's not caught off guard, that knows what we need and walks with us and loves us and has prepared a place for us in heaven. We have much to celebrate. At the end of, uh, end of that, John will lead us. So I'm going to pray. And you can pray as a family. You can pray by yourself and just seek the Lord for, for some time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, we're thankful for just great reminders like communion uh, that we couldn't go to the cross ourselves. Uh, the payment would be insufficient. The bloodshed would be in vain. Uh, we thank you that Jesus did what we could not. Uh, it's our prayer that we would just turn to you during this time and thank you for the many blessings we have. Thank you for the way you've loved us and provided us through Jesus. Uh, that we would know we're forgiven and we're loved. And then we would end with deep gratitude and thankfulness and celebration through worship. Be with us as we think and remember you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.